Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Hey, everybody. Colt here. I want to take a quick moment to shout out my friends over here at the Action Children's Business Fair. They're the sponsor of this show this week. Uh, they're doing a very cool thing. And it's a simple question they ask. Is a classroom the best way to teach your child to be curious, creative, and entrepreneurial? Of course not. Real learning comes from doing. So that's where the Children's Business Fair comes in. It's a one-day event where young people can launch and showcase a business. You'll be amazed by what your children can accomplish, and it's a great way to bring your neighborhood to life. And launching a Children's Business Fair is easier than you think, and it's also free. We'll even throw in a $500 prize money. Find out more at podcast.childrensbusinessfair.org. Again, that's podcast.childrensbusinessfair.org. It's about to go. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick to this, this the, the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, this week, uh, for those of you that are going to be watching this eventually down the road, um, you can see that I am joined by another special guest this week. I'm really super excited for this one. Actually, I connected probably, oh, this one was six or seven, eight weeks ago. Maybe we set this whole thing up. Um, it's Melissa Jacobs. Uh, you might know her as the football girl. Um, she's pretty well known in, uh, I think, the women's circle of sports, which is really cool. Um, I'm really excited to talk with her as well because she's right here in the Bay Area with me, um, which is cool. So which makes her a 49er fan. And I want to get some rapid reaction from a Niner fan after their sensational draft leaving crickets in the room, possibly. We'll find out from <laughs> shortly. Uh, but before I steal too much of her thunder, uh, Melissa, why don't you take the floor and just kind of introduce yourself. Uh, let us know a little bit about you. Well, yeah, it's good to be with you, Cole. I guess we're both in the Bay Area, so we have to say hella, right? Do you say that? Because because I just moved back here a few years ago, and I never, I can't, I just can't bring myself to actually. I, I don't think I really say it. it. It slipped in here for a little while, but I think now I don't really, it's not really in my style, right? I'm Western New York, so I, I have picked up some of the verbiage for sure. I mean, it's been 13 yeah. years now, right? But yeah, I don't, I try yeah. not to. Okay. All right. Well, so I am actually, I'm from the Bay Area. I um, started my career actually in radio at KNBR, the big sports station here. And then I spent many years at ESPN um, going from radio um, to television, which was to me like a little sexier at the time. And um, I actually um, helped found their, what they call a talent production department. So the people who book guests for Sports Center. NFL Live, Outside the Lines, all these things. So I was like the first one and then we hired some other people and now it's like a whole thing, which is super cool. Um, but I did a lot of stuff in the NFL and I that was always kind of my first love even here. I mean, I guess like growing up in the, you know, Steve Young, you know, glory days um, did certainly helped uh, solidify my, my Niners-ness, if you will. Um, but I loved it and I loved just like learning about the game. And then obviously I was, you know, at ESPN, I was interacting with a lot of 
high level NFL people. And then I just kind of, you know, got pretty entrepreneurial. I wanted to leave Connecticut. Um, that was very jarring to go from San Francisco to Connecticut, especially as like a 24 year old um, single at the time. Uh, but I, I mean, I loved my, what I was doing. So I kind of took, I still kept working for ESPN in different roles. Like I worked on the SBs. I worked like, like very, various things. Um, and then I just, I wanted to do something for women in football. Because I just felt like there was a tide that was brewing of, of women. You know, all the marketing to women previously had been pink, 101, you're just treating women in a condescending fashion as if any woman who likes football means that they're just learning what, how many points of field goal is. So I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I, even, even anecdotally, I knew people, you know, I was starting to do research, started to talk to people in the industry. No, there is a growing number of women who are very engaged in the sport and lifelong fans and like grandmas and like all these, you know, young people. So I, so I basically, I created the football girl. Um, it was actually going to be for fantasy football at first, but then I decided to make it all of football. Just, just presenting it, you know, not obviously marketed to women. Um, a lot of things on the site that profile women, um, celebrate the achievements of women, look back at the history of, of women in the game, um, talk to female analysts, but but also just sort of like you know covering the game like anyone would, but I don't use, you know, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that used to really bother me, Cole, is I would read, especially fantasy articles and it'd be like, Oh, I'm like with my dudes and we're talking about, you know, right. whomever Devonte Adams and like all the dudes in the room. Cause only dudes play fantasy. Like, da, 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 da. you know, and I'm, I would just, it, it was just like very subtle, but I'd be like, Oh, this article is just not for me. So it's even sort of in the, the verbiage of writing. Um, it's obviously if there's, you know, feet, women that have bylines, that's great, but it's just writing in a way that's not excluding any particular gender, any, or any, anyone. Right. So, right, so right. yeah, so it's, it's been great. And, um, and I've had a lot of opportunities grow from that. I started um, ESPNW. I was one of their um, first writers when when they launched for a few years. I've, I've always kind of like kept my toes in ESPN, even even now. Like I'll, you know, I would do some freelance producing for them. Um, still write on the side. A lot of my best friends are at ESPN. Um, and then a couple years after I launched the Football Girl Sports Illustrated. Um, just reached out to me out of the blue and offered me to be their NFL editor of their website, um, which was really flattering. And one of those things where I love the like small, like niche entrepreneurial space. I, I felt invigorated and I feel invigorated by catering to women, but it was one of those like, well, I can't turn it down. It's Sports Illustrated. Um, but eventually I came back and, and here I am and I, I, doing it and, and trying to find innovative ways to market the game to women. And yeah, here we are. So you, you know, a lot about football, I gather from all of that. And you've, <laughs> and you've done a lot of different things. You, you did manage to, in all of that uh, amazing things that you've been doing to leave out that you do also podcast. And, oh, yeah. uh, it's like the marketing myself over here. Yeah, you do like all you do so many more things than that too. But um, that is one of the main reasons also that I wanted to bring you on, right? Because I'm one of the one of my main goals of this was to you know like um, are you familiar with Megan Reyes and who she is? Like uh, she, you know, it's she's all about in the Bay Area, right? Just yeah, she's in like, the Bay Area as well. Yeah, never met her, but I know who she is. Yeah, she, it's just you know all about. Like there's not enough women in sports. My first guest of the show was actually Jenna Cottrell of the local station out of Rochester, New York. You know, like that's what oh, I wanted cool. this to be, a, you know, kind of because I see there's a lot of female voices out there. And I think I said it in my first show that are like way smarter than some of the dudes that are watching football, <laughs> right? Like, and you subtly mentioned a couple of, you know, your friends at ESPN, like when you're talking about fantasy, I mean, like Stefania Bell, I mean, you were just hanging out with her chatting football the other night. I was watching the, you know, the draft that you did, uh, you know, Liz Loza. I mean, there's some incredibly smart women out there who have made a, you know, made waves and made a space for themselves, you know, right. That are just killing it, which is very cool. So, and I love that you're just like, well, it's, 
Sports Illustrated, you can't say no, right? <laughs> you know, it's like close though. I have to say, like, because I was really excited about some of the things I had set up for the some of the partnerships, like at that point that I was about to, you know, maybe go down certain paths with, with the football girl. Um, so it, was, it wasn't like a total no brainer. And, and also I will say, I mean, just in all honesty, I was brought on to lead and um, the like SI.com's NFL coverage. And so there was that. And then there was also, you know, MMQB, which is the part of the site that Peter King started. Right. So essentially I got there in a, in, in a way like had to compete with, Peter, Peter King, right? Resources for stories. And, you know, well, I I wouldn't trade the writers that that we have, you know, I I tried to bring the two things together. I was like, it doesn't make sense. Why do we have two outfits? I I guess I haven't been with them long enough that I can say this now. But, you know, why do we have two competing outfits? So it was it was not like, oh, here's this an unbelievably perfect job where you have all of this room to grow. It's like, well, just, just compete with Peter King. Not a problem. Right. Yeah. Like he's, he's easy to just step up against. I mean, he basically calls anybody and says, I need to talk to you now. And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Exactly. And we did collaborate on a few things when I was there and he's been, he's been amazing to me, but yeah, it wasn't the, the easiest path to success. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's been a lot of folks that I see doing that in the sports industry right now that are just making the decision that maybe they don't necessarily want to be attached to the big network and they want to go out and find people that want to just listen to their voice. Um, I had Tyler Dune on, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he's left, you know, Bleacher Report and he does amazing work. You know, he's Mm -hmm. so, he's so good at what he does. And so there's a lot of guys that I've seen do that. And a lot of females in the sports industry right now, are I don't want to say like, forced into doing it but almost feels like they are forced to do it that route right like they almost have to find their own way to get attention because there are so many network spots available you know as much as we can talk about women being included in all of this there's still not full inclusion right i would say in the sports world but it's really awesome what you do um i've been over to the site it's really cool uh, the draft thing the other night was a really cool idea i thought you did when you had all the a bunch of the different women in sports on from different sectors uh, you know i saw you had even alexa ross on there who's you know local yeah, to the buffalo right she's the rochester as well so uh very cool i mean what you're doing over there so really excited to to chat football with you here today too um but before we dig too deep into that we do like to um always chat up a cool charity or something happening, you know, that the guest chooses. Uh, Melissa did choose this week uh, the Alameda County Food Bank, which is maybe a lot of you don't know about them, but we're in the area and it is right here local in the Bay Area. But why don't you go ahead and tell us, Melissa, why you chose them? Well, it was a tough choice. And first of all, I just got to say, I love that you do that as part of this. That's, that's tremendous. And it even forces you to sort of hone in on one charity when there's obviously so many. Right. I mean, I would have, you know, maybe before I volunteered for them, I would have come up with like the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which obviously also very worthy. But yeah, so I'm in Alameda County, which is, you know, which is Oakland is the the biggest city here, Hayward, um, San Leandro. There's obviously other um, towns, but but it is... um, very expensive to live in the Bay Area, for those who don't know. Um, insanely expensive. And in Alameda County, where where the prices of everything have just gone up exponentially in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, as people are kind of pushing out of San Francisco. I mean, the, the food insecurity here, though, the homelessness here, um, I think it's, you know, you need about almost $100,000 in salary to just live a basic life in this county, which is, I know, insane to a lot of people. Um, but most of the people, you know, people have are rooted in Oakland, right? Like generations and generations of family. So it's not like they're just going to say like, oh, okay, it's, a, it's super expensive here. I'm just going to go move to like Wyoming or whatever. Like there's, right. you know, they're part of the culture. They're part of the fabric of, of what makes, I'm, I'm just saying Oakland specifically, but the, the whole county. Um, so there is, I, I know like for the, the food bank, it's like 65% of 
their clients don't have an income over 23,000, many, you know, less, many are, are homeless. And so the, so the food bank is just this amazing resource that works with 200 organizations. And it, it's just the operation where they're, you know, you're sorting food, you're delivering food. I mean, every day, thousands and thousands of organizations and family and people who, and kids who literally would have nothing who would starve potentially. I mean, they're, they're salvaging like a basic need. And, and someone like me uh, might not appreciate that, but now I, now, now I volunteered a few times with them and, and you just kind of see the impact that the, you know, people drive through They're like, like it's just such a widespread, um, you just you just realize the need. You go there, you see the stats, you hear the stories, you hear the appreciativeness of, of some of the clients that they have. And it's just, you know, it just it makes you appreciate an aspect of life that maybe you don't think about as much. And then it just obviously makes you wanna go out and, and help those who, who need that basic necessity. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think most people are familiar with the food bank concept, right? I mean, they are, mm-hmm. there are food banks just about everywhere. I think every city has a food bank it, and it's interesting because when I went, when I went to their site and I, you know, I like, I'm kind of a numbers geek guy, right? So I, the first thing I looked at and it really caught my eye was one in four residents in the County are at risk of not having food, right? When you really think about that and then you, you think about the being the Bay area, which is highly populated, right? So mm-hmm. one in four in a highly populated area, it's, it's definitely an, an area of more risk, I would say, right, or more need compared to some other areas where they do have it, where it is a little easier to live, you know, and it's tough. And, I'm, you know, here in Sacramento, it's it's similar, right? It's not as expensive, but it's getting that way. And the homeless population is on the rise because it's, I mean, let's face it, it's nice weather here. And it's in a place that people can actually try to survive without having all the basic necessities. So, but it is a very challenging thing and uh, it's very cool. I'm, and like I, we were talking offline a little bit, I do like that it's local. I know a lot of the Buffalo fans are going to be mm-hmm. like Alameda County, huh? Is that where the Raiders are at? <laughs> yeah. I don't like them, <laughs> you know, right? But, but they need to eat too, just because right. you don't like their team. That's right. And, and the mafia does always find a way to mount up and make sure that we take care of anybody that's in need anyways. Right. And I know there's a strong presence of the mafia here in the, Bay Area, uh, Sacramento is actually um, their ba- their Bills backer is one of the founders of the Bills Mafia, so it actually is really? in Sacramento. So there's uh-huh. there's definitely mafia out here that can uh, you know help out with this one. So all their information, like we always do, will be in the show notes. So you guys can usually just click and get over to their website. You know, like um, there's different ways you can do it as well. You know, it's money, it's time, whatever you can do, right? I mean, even if you just spread it around to somebody that you might know that has the funds or has the time to go and help out. Right. So very cool. Thanks, Melissa, for, you know, kind of bringing up a little something close to home. You know, I like that. I really want that this to be more community driven, you know, and kind of feel that. So thanks a lot for doing that. And you want to chat some football? Oh yeah. Let's yeah. do it. So you there's nothing to talk about. I don't know, know what you're, there's nothing. To even yeah. Say about there's nothing that. happening. I know I, it's funny because with all the football stuff, I still, when we were talking offline, brought up the Mayweather, in the horseplay that him and his new bestie Jake Paul are doing to get, try to get people's money. But anyway, there was a draft spectacular that you did. Uh, how did your draft spectacular fare against the draft board? Oh, it was really amazing. Oh, I wish I, I had the thing up. Yes. Um, a lot of the, there were several of the picks that were, like right on. Um, not Stefania with Max Jones. See, she, she didn't, but her, her her pick personally was Trey Lance, yeah. right? She said, I'll take Mac Jones because that's what she believed was going to happen. But her personal pick was Trey Lance. So I, I still actually give her credit that she was, she was more spot on than the mock draft. <laughs> yeah, and I think we failed. I mean, I say failed. This is what everyone did. I think m- most people had um, Patrick Sertan um, or JC Horn going at 10 and the cornerback starting there, which I know ultimately affected Buffalo. Buffalo, right? Like all the corners that came off the board. Um, But overall, I mean, pretty, pretty spot on. I'm trying to remember if they're, you know, Alexa, I think, did Alexa have your first round picker? Did she have? I think she might have actually. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't. I'd have to go back and check it again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look where you're. Uh, I'm allowed to do that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
so besides that though, from the draft itself, you're, you're a Niner fan, um, you know, but did you feel like there was a team that just came out of the draft? Like you just, whatever they did, you were like, wow, they, they really just came out way better. You know, they're just like, they're clearly had a great draft. Just one team that sticks out. Chicago bears. I mean, they did the thing they, they had to do it. They, it is quite possible that Justin Fields winds up being the best quarterback in this class, the class with Trevor Lawrence. I am, I will say that just based on watching film, based on just how, how much talent that kid has. Right. And so, yeah, to, to, to make that bold of a move and, and jump up and, and get him that alone to me puts the bears in a really interesting uh, position, maybe not for this year, but in, in the future, but it, but it's an interesting situation there because, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are on a short leash. So do they, what do they do? Do they, do they bring the kid in and maybe have him, suffer some growing pains but see a little how let everyone dangle the potential is what i'm trying to say or let him get mentored by andy dalton for a year and then come out gangbusters it's really going to be interesting it amazes me that franchises still put themselves in this situation right where you just you went ahead and you brought in a guy that you thought was going to be your stopgap, right for for the year or whatever and then you trade up which is a, a super I'm going to say ballsy just because I don't know any other way to say it really that you just did this a few years back and it didn't work. Right. And then when you did Trubisky, you you did the same kind of maneuver. So it was, it was a big move, but I agree. I feel like it was the right move for the right kid. I, I, and his, that situation is going to be completely different than what the, a couple of the other guys are going to face. I mean, Mac Jones gets to see Buffalo twice a year. He gets to see Miami twice a year. Those are legitimate defenses right now. Zach Wilson is going to be in the same boat, right? Right. I mean, these guys aren't going to have it necessarily easy any of them right but you definitely don't know for sure any one of these guys could be way better and i think i would agree the bears i thought it was the right thing to do especially for how much they dragged their fans up and down this offseason about who their quarterback was going to be yeah they owed it to the fans like i think my my husband's actually a bears fan and I, he was at a baseball practice for like our kid who just turned seven and he didn't, I was like, I, I was kind of covering the drafts. So I was like, do I get my car? His, his phone was off. I was like, do I just scream it out at him? Um, I, so I just, he didn't know he walked in the door. He couldn't actually find his phone for, on the way back. So I just, I rewound it. And I, I mean, his scream might've been louder than mine. <laughs> Trey Lance actually. Yeah. It's that's. I mean, Bears fans are just obviously so quarterback starved for decades. So just the potential of this guy. Well, and that right there, I think also probably pleased their kind of Allen Robinson wasn't thrilled, right? He's He wasn't absolutely thrilled with the franchise right now, right? This could definitely right. move him in the right direction of being like, oh, okay, actually we're going to try to do something this year, but there still is the, you know, the, the red rocket's still there and he's still being told he's the man. Right. So we'll see what unfolds yeah. with all of that. Yeah. So yeah. you touched on your you, doing something for a star player. Right. <laughs> Imagine That's funny how that works. Right. If you actually do that, yeah. then, then everybody's happy. You did mention your, your, you screamed. So you were happy with the pick then for the 49ers. I, I screamed. I really did scream. I'm still hoarse from it. I think a week later. Um, yeah. I was expecting Mac. Um, it was weird because, oh no, I think it was Justin Fields. I was thinking they did that with Trey Lance where they like to did a shot of his room and he wasn't there, but I think that was Justin Fields Mm -hmm. and not, not Trey, but I don't know. They looked very, they looked very, very excited. And I I don't know that like, there was something about one second before they made the announcement. I was like, maybe it's going to be Trey Lance. Like it was one of those, but I, I was so dreading the the call so i think that it was just the yo-yo of, of emotions and i just honestly i just really like the kid so much um you know obviously he comes from a small school but just just his pedigree his his dad and his the, fa- the fact that he sort of eschewed all the like elite 11 stuff i mean i know he did it but he wasn't he's not like the showcase kid it was just the just just work hard do your thing keep gaining skills and you will go to where you need to go. It's just sort of this more sort of like cerebral approach to his, his quarterbacking 
that I love. And then obviously he just has that combination of athleticism and precision and just all thinking of him with Kyle Shanahan's system is just very far more exciting than Mac Jones. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm, I can't believe anybody actually took him in the first round personally. I, but we'll see. I mean, we're going to get to face him twice a year now here in the future. So I'm, I'm a little excited to, kind of have maybe not good quarterbacks in the division. I mean, like, is it going to be that bad if we don't have to beat good quarterbacks? I mean, I, I'm okay with it, but so I, off of what you said, uh, that's why he gets the Josh Allen comparisons, I think. Right. Because he kind of, Josh Allen kind of was the same thing, right? He was like, nobody wants to talk to me. And now he's, he's getting his chance to shine. But two, two things come up when you say that you like Trey Lance, but my first one is, so I'm assuming after you continued though, that you're a big Kyle Shanahan fan. Do you think he is? Yeah, I'm a Kyle Shanahan fan except for the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. He gets a little too I – th- I think he gets a little too uh, d- too too cutesy sometimes, um, even in the regular season. I mean, his, his playbook and his ability to, to process football and explain football is, is just – second to, I mean, I mean, just next level. Like I can't, there's no compare, maybe like Bill Walsh back in the day and obviously Belichick, but it's just unbelievable. I've been to so many of his press conferences and I'm just like, I feel like a student just listening to a master, but yeah. So, but then sometimes I think sometimes there's once in a while, I'm like, you could just like simplify and like be fine here, you know, you know, and he's, it's, it's burnt him a couple of times, but yes, I, I am a, a huge fan of, of, Kyle Shanahan's football mind. So the losing record over the past four years and like none of that stuff plays into it. Because I personally think he's a great mind, but I I think he's an offensive coordinator. When he's been put into this role, he hasn't really shined as much as I think. But speaking on the processing a little bit, that's how that entire conference is. All of those guys, McVay, Klingsberg, even Pete Carroll, they all try to outsmart themselves and they do these super weird little things when it was like, why'd you do that? You could have just kept doing the same thing that was working the entire time for you. Okay. Blew- Are you trying to offend me here by this <laughs> coordinator thing? I, no, I, I just, that's my personal just view of, of seeing what's taking place over there so far. I mean, I do agree that they've They've made some, they've brought in good players. They've drafted some good kids that are going to shine if they get the quarterback right. Right. I think that's kind of the piece that's holding them back for me. Yeah. I mean, Cole, you do realize that every one of their stars was injured last year, right? I, I do. I, they lost coming off of a Super Bowl loss. That would have been a win against any team other than Patrick Mahomes, as you know, Buffalo can greatly understand. But that is the NFL, though, right? I mean, so that's what you have to be able to get through. And, you know, like teams like the Belichick teams, when they start losing stars and stuff, they still come out okay. I mean, he he came in with nobody last year, right? And he still finished at almost 500 or whatever it was, you know, so. I just and it's and I don't think that Shanahan isn't a good football coach and I think he could absolutely prove me wrong immediately with this kid right if it works but because every coach needs the quarterback there's no there's no way around that I mean Sean McDermott's success hinges on Josh Allen's success right if he's good McDermott looks great right you know and that's just the way it is so I just feel like since it's kind of been in that situation and they had the really good team and the Super Bowl let down a little bit the decision making in that that's the only reason I question if he truly is like the guy yeah, but that was, I mean, that Super Bowl, yeah, there was, you know, it was Jimmy's interception, but it was, you know, I, to me, it was just Jimmy Garoppolo's not the guy. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's not the guy. I think that was when they were kind of done with him at that point. Like, we're like, okay, we need to, we need to think like kind of bigger picture here. And I do, I do think in a lot of ways, if, if that, the opponent was anyone other than Mahomes in that situation, it still might have been a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. So, what do you? What kind of a system do you envision Shanahan to do with Trey Lance? Because this will be the. the I mean, he had Matt Ryan, who wasn't really going to be the mobile kind of guy, right? So it was really run heavy. Do you think he's still going to stick with that run heavy and just incorporate the quarterback, or do you think that he's going to really try to start to open this thing up a little bit? Because you've got speed at wide receivers. I mean, Samuel is a monster when he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, there's some cool things that you could do if you started getting him around. Do you think that's going to be the move this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's still a lot of questions about Trey Lance and like how how much do you emphasize his athleticism? And I think they're they're still, I mean, they don't know him that well, right? Like they, right. you know, these meetings have been very, you know, they they just don't know the guy, and he had he doesn't have this long track record. He's like barely played in, right. in a sense. So I think they have to learn him, and I do think Kyle Shanahan is very good at adapting his playbook and he could go in a lot of directions. I know you want to have a definitive for me to say like, this is, you know, this will no, be like this has to be definitive. first 20 plays, but yes, I think they will definitely incorporate his athleticism for sure. I mean, he'll be in a lot of ways, you know, Shanahan loves to operate with like three, four running backs of like complementary styles. And I think Lance fits well into that for sure. Um, so I, I think that's a given. It's just, yeah. How much do, do we open up? How spread, you know, like what, what, what would that right. look like? I, I, don't, I can't say with any definitive, right now but I think we'll see and also I don't know if he'll be the starter you know I don't like that's also a question is this again you know as Kyle and um, John Lynch said uh, after the draft it's like their plan is that Jimmy's the guy if Lance progresses like that's very exciting they would love to have a, a quarterback battle whereas I feel like Chicago is a little more like well, we have a quarterback battle. Like whoever looks better, well, like hopefully it's Justin Fields, and we can just put him out there for our job. You know, right. Shanahan and John Lynch have a little uh, more rope and longer term contract going on there. Right. That's the other piece of it too, right? Is they, they have the time I think too. And realistically the division across the board has kind of stayed the same, I think. So it's pretty wide yeah. open right now that realistically, if you just get one, two more wins than what you, you were able to pull off a year ago, you know, then that could be all that it needs. And to me, I'm, you know, yes, everybody wants the Super Bowl, but I want to win the division every year because at least I get a chance. Right. So you just have to get back to winning the division and everything's all good. It just took the bills, you know, like 20 years to do it, you know, so hopefully <laughs> it doesn't take you guys that long to get back to winning the division. Cause that's torturous, you know, for everybody yeah. involved, but yeah, well, we're only two years removed from the super bowl. So we're not, not quite feeling the, the bills yet. Yeah. You know, in the, in the, the, like I said, the division's pretty wide open. So I think it's going to be a, right. it, it and it's better when the side of this, the West is good. Like it's weird when the West isn't good. Cause everybody just perceives that it's going to be a really good conference. Right. And then everybody like, it's going to be one of the toughest in the football every year. And then yeah. it just took like a big hit last year. And then now you've got the Rams who just sold the fortune, you know, so McVay has got to be on the hot seat. Klingsberg. I, I think he's got, he's got to be close to on the hot seat. If they don't start to see something really trend, he's getting a lot of players. He's getting a lot of help with players. Uh, but, and when you think about Pete Carroll in the division is the, is this Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll thing going to be the final, the Rahis? I mean, he's seventies, right? He's in his seventies now. So it's not yeah. like he wouldn't have an excellent career and like be able to leave the sport, you know, like in a good term. Right. But it feels like it's coming to that. Do you hate, do you like, do, Cole, do you secretly, or not secretly, do you actually hate the NFC West? Because I feel like you kind of do, maybe. No, I don't have a problem with the NFC West, really. You know, it's because I watch it most of the time in the afternoon. You know, I just see. Because you're here. Yes, yeah, because I'm over here. So that's typically what I watch. And just for from what they're perceived to be, I think some of the coaches on that side are the young, brilliant minds. And we're just seeing that the necessarily the young, brilliant mind isn't the most successful thing all the time in the league, right? The league is very challenging, you know, so it's hard to just come into it and be this college coach that didn't win a bunch. And then you come into the NFL, it's not going to be easy, right? So I expect you got to be like superstar coaches. And I think they get a little more love over here than some other coaches do you know, that actually are doing really awesome things across the league too. It's not that I hate them. I anticipate they're going to be almost one of the teams that are going to represent the NFC every year is going to come from this division is the way I feel about the division. It's a good football division. They play a very good style of football against each other. That's fun to watch. So I really do actually enjoy the NFC West. Okay. There's no, there's no, there's no, I know we had to talk offline about the 49er fan only existing in certain scenarios. Right. And it's typically when they're winning and things like that, but no, there's no real hate for the NFC West. I think it's a good football division for sure. 
I feel like this is when a baseball fan that's from anywhere but Boston is forced to live in Boston and they're just like immersed in the Red Sox all the time. And then they just kind of figure out a way to dissect the Red Sox and and kind of tear them apart. I feel like that's kind of maybe what you're doing here. Maybe. I don't know. I just, they're who I watch besides the Bills. So when I'm not watching the Bills, that's who I'm watching the most. And it's such a different, I mean, the Bills are a different style of football. Than well, maybe. even the East Coast, West Coast is completely different, yeah. right? You know, so yeah. I do like watching the style, though. I do enjoy what they do. The play-action game, I really love the play-action game. So the Rams game is cool. Like, if Stafford can go there and be, like, a little bit of what Stafford was, like, a few years ago, that could be really exciting, right? I, I anticipate oh, okay. one of these teams are really going to come back this year to where they should have been because I feel like they did all fall off a little bit last year. You know, and, and that yeah. was, I didn't anticipate any of that because I do think they have good football teams. Yeah. And not, not to go homerish again here, even though I will, I mean, the, the injuries, the, like to lose a Nick Bosa and a George Kittle, like that's not like we lost some bit pieces. I mean, the, you, you made the, the Patriots, um, you made the Patriots comparison, but like mostly other than the Matt Castle year, like Tom Brady was there and that they never really emphasized a, a tons of star players, like maybe on defense, a, a, you know, a bit here and there, but that they always, which, you know, maybe, maybe is another point that you could make, but the Niners can't win with a, with Nick Bosa heard. And then, you know, maybe they wouldn't have traded to four, you know, there's other, there's other dominoes yeah. that maybe wouldn't have fallen had they known that Nick Bosa yeah, what? Buckner would have been around still. Like right. would, would have, that would have yeah. solidified. Yeah. So Yeah, that defensive front was phenomenal. I right. mean, like you didn't want to go on the field against them, right? Like because right. it was just dangerous. If the in the way that they were running the ball at the time, I mean it was just it was absurd. Right. It was yeah. it was absurd of what was taking place. So I know it's there and it can be done. It just sometimes doesn't feel like it everybody else gets the same kind of love. Because a lot of cool things are happening. But anyways, so if you were to say there was one team that came out of the draft and you were just shaking your head like they didn't really do anything that made them better, right? Like, or they just like, I feel like they were the biggest kind of like loser of the draft or like, can they get a do-over? I mean, I guess I would say what the Raiders did and going with Leatherwood. I just don't think that's a need that they had to fortify their line but is that really the guy i mean he projected a lot most people projected him like maybe mid second rounder and i just i just don't that you know there's so many other positions too that the the raiders needed to plug and there was still so much talent left at that point so it's, it's probably probably the Raiders when I, when I think about it, it's probably the, like the main team to me that, that stands out because, you know, I think especially with COVID, like, like with you guys, there's a lot of guys who didn't play. I think I like with Rousseau, like there's just, there's so many question marks about so many of these picks. So it's easy to concoct in your head, like projecting out what they would have done if they had another year of college. Um, but Leatherwood, it's just that, like just watching him and, and people who covered him or know him better than I do. It's just seemed like a very baffling pick with the amount of intriguing talent still there. Yeah, I think they tend to stun everybody, right? That that seems to be the move because then their second round pick was like great, right? It was like, oh, right. cool. You sh- yeah, you should. <laughs> Why didn't you do something like that in the first round? But you got to nail your first rounder. I mean, you, if you, you get a gem in like the sixth round, like that's great. awesome, right? Yeah, but you can't you can you can't squander your first rounder like that. Yeah, it, it's especially when you've been doing that consecutively, right? Wow. And and you've got two guys that are supposed to be incredibly smart football minds, right? And they're having like the hardest time with just picking guys. But I, you brought up the a lot of the remote stuff. I one thing I did notice from the draft, I thought because I I thought that was going to be very interesting to see, like especially with the, like the kid Slater, such a good football player, mm-hmm. right? But he took the year off, so mm-hmm. would he slide down the board because of, I was praying to God he would. I was like, let yeah. close enough for us to go get him, right? Like, please, because he is a, a phenomenal football player and yeah. human, right? He just looks like a phenomenal human, right? right? He's right. he's all American. He's like all those things, but you don't, you didn't know, right? So it was like, what are they going to do? So I felt like from watching this draft that teams really leaned on their scouts and were just like, we're going to go off of what they say because the last time we saw him play football, he was so good. Really? Yeah. Like, and all yeah. he can do was just not play in a live game, 
right? The dude's still doing football, right? It's not like he's just hanging out on his couch, right? You know, so I, I thought it was kind of interesting to see how that was going to play out being such a challenging time where you couldn't even bring the guys in and do all that kind of stuff. You had to get it through Zoom and do all these other things. Yeah. It's It's weird. Yeah. And the, you know, the notion and, you know, you would see, I don't know if these are just people on Twitter trying to get attention, but like, oh, I spoke to this anonymous scout and like this team is going to avoid any players who opted out. Right. You know, that's, just, that's crap. Like that is just garbage with, you know, uh, with the notion attached to like, oh, this shows they don't care about football because they're not willing to, you know, which is insane. Like as if anybody who got to this level to be eligible for the draft and like what they've put their body through probably years, just like, oh, okay. Okay, now there's COVID. I'm just like gonna go be lazy and yeah, oh like that's ridiculous. Oh, I can take a vacation. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Right, yeah. like we're, we're go like get an Airbnb and like yeah, right before everything. Like watch Netflix all day and like not never work out. Like that's what that's how, that's how these guys spent the last year. For yeah. Sure. It's and I, I saw some of those tweets too, and I think I responded with one of them like, "Well, I guess that's just their fault, and that's their problem then, right? Like, because they're going to miss out on some dudes that are great football players just because they, they decided not to play. I mean, like, I you had guys on your own team that decided not to play, right? You know, like odds are, especially like teams like the Patriots, they they had like eight nine guys saying you know that they didn't want to play. So it's not like it wasn't something you were experiencing firsthand. That should have just meant." Maybe you should grind a little harder to find out some stuff about these guys, right? Because you're just going to pass on them because of that. I thought it was foolish. So interesting to me because it's not totally apples to apples, but you know, all the, all these guys have the the stipulation in their contracts. Like don't do these like life threatening. Don't, don't jump off a cliff. Like don't do, don't ski. And during the season, like don't do all these things where you could get hurt. Right. Play during COVID. And I understand that the stats for that age group, but then you see the, you know, the Jags player who was like in the hospital for season and it's probably who knows what his permanent damage is. So, yeah. Yeah. The Bills, uh, the Bills had lost a tight end earlier on in the season that he started having trouble with his heart. Uh, shortly after that and oh he's, he's now healthy and back and he's going to be in camp again this year which is awesome you know and good for good for him you know but yeah it's weird and then you're talking about you know on top of that the leading up to the draft always kills me because we're just like it's just like talking crap about young kids that you have no idea about it's right? like, like he's the worst dude he's terrible he can't run like a three four like it's like uh, really okay like but he's really good at football obviously or you wouldn't even I be know. looking at him right like you wouldn't even be talking about this kid if he wasn't really good at football right. Right? so like i don't know it cracks my mind you know sometimes just to see how the draft is leading up to it and just i mean it almost it's almost starting to feel like more of a spectacle than the super bowl right like because just everybody's like got their opinion and anybody can say anything about the draft and anybody can say anything about any kid that they want right like i watched him play high school one time and he can't move his left foot fast enough he's never gonna make it like uh, and that's gonna tweet out to somebody else and they're gonna be like kid has the worth athleticism he didn't even (laughs) like it's it's we're all going through you know we're scouring through social media to find like whatever they said when they were 15 years old right there's just there's too there's too much access out there and there's too many outlets and there's too many people there's there's nothing else to fill especially this year there was nothing to fill the time so right. we're just going to concoct that we know who these people are when we don't at all the only thing that I I do like about that aspect too though is like the sixth round kids now have the opportunity to get themselves out there a lot more right because they can do yeah. it on their own with coaches they can start building brands for themselves at a young age to try to start making some money while they're trying to make their way through football right and they didn't have those opportunities back in the day right it was like you made it or you didn't and even if you made it you weren't getting paid all all that great you know <laughs> in the beginning so it's definitely a different world now but so we're we're getting cl- pretty close to uh, cutting it off here because I don't want to keep you all day but I do want to hit up because I'm excited to I know you're like you brought it up a couple of different times you're an analytical type you like writing things you like reading things uh, you you like diving into things right and which is very cool and I, I, I really wanted you on for that aspect too so I want to move you into the nerding out session because I want right. we're going to pick the brain a little bit outside of what's taking place in football right now and just when it, the first one is favorite sports book or kind of just any kind of book related to sports that's just something you've read or you would recommend for somebody to read or something even that you're looking to read 
Ooh, I'm looking right now in my office at Bill Belichick. It's literally like 600 pages. I don't think that's that's next on my list. But, you know, I, I mostly don't read sports books just because I need the, the break. But the, the one that really probably is my all-time favorite, I think, is um, See the Skit by Laura Hill and Brand. Um, I, I love, I used to really love horse racing. I used to like go out to the track and bet on it and, and all, all the things. And um, that book was just, just, I was so amazed by, by the research. And for some reason, like I knew it was going to be a movie, but I didn't, you know, like sometimes you read a book now and you're like, oh, this person just wrote it. So it's a screenplay. It, it, it Everything just jumped out to me. I, I wasn't thinking about that at the time because I was just so distracted by the storytelling. And I felt like, like very, like, I felt like the horse was a human. Like I deeply, deeply cared about that, that horse. <laughs> I loved that horse so much. That's awesome. It was in my dreams. And um, this is, yeah, not, not, yeah, I don't want to get weird here, but (laughs) I love that horse and, um, and and just the riding style. And it was one of those things that I just thought about for, I thought about the horse for a long time after reading it. That's cool though. That's a great story to attach to the story. I mean, cause I'm sure most people are, they've probably seen the movie by now, right? If if they, for some reason hadn't, and if you don't know the general story about it, you probably have been like not living in the United States (laughs) or something. Like I don't even probably outside of that. It's funny. I see you cause you live right next to the track basically right there in Oakland. Yeah. I haven't been to this one. Well, now it's weird because I have kids and I yeah. feel like it's like we're like, hey, kids, you want to go out? Like, <laughs> we're just going to look at the horses. Like, yeah, we're just going to look at yeah, them. Like it's kind of like I guess I did that pre kids. Yeah. Back, yeah. I went back back then. But that's cool. It's uh, a cool little tidbit. Were you any good at it? Um, I won. I Oh, my God. It was one of the first bets I made. There was a horse char- charismatic that won the Derby and I saw them at like Golden Gate Field here in the Bay Area at like, no, it wasn't the Santa Anita because that's the same. It was some California something, something. And I remember being at a wedding in New York and someone's like, because this is actually when I worked at KNBR and they had a horse racing show and the guy who hosted it, who was like, you know, the concierge of the track. So that's part of why I always went to the track was like, like called me and was like, you know, that horse charismatic that you bet on in the like local, whatever, you know, that horse is in the Derby. It's 33 to one. But like, I just thought you'd want to know. And so I put money down and won the derby that year. That's awesome. That's yeah. very cool. Right place, right time, I guess. I was right? very young, so I thought, you know, whatever, I won like $400 and thought that I yeah. like it would be like winning like $2 million right now. Still cool. That's awesome. Yeah, That's a good story. Cool. So the next question up for you is obviously you, you know, you're involved in sports in general, you know, and you've been in sports in a lot of different aspects, but this one is what brings you to football? Like what, what do you really love about the game of football? This one, um, this is, this is, I mean, it's tough in the sense that I have a love hate relationship with football, especially being a woman in the industry and the way women are, are sort of have been sensationalized and, and treated both from a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, sort of like the condescending way. And then also from a, you know, violence against women standpoint, a, an area that the NFL is sort of just tabled as we've seen with the fact that the commissioner couldn't answer a question about what was going on with Deshaun Watson on draft night. Like, mm-hmm. Never never figured out how to handle it. And it would always, it all, it's always irked me that it was treated as a, we're going to ignore it. And then race Ray, I sorry, I'm totally turning around the question you asked me here, but Ray Rice happens. Oh, we have optic evidence. Now we're going to be reactive and figure out something. And then we're just going to go on to the next issue. And that's kind of what's happened. So that makes me very sad, but I love this. And I've thought about, I have to tell you, I've thought about like, I should just cover the NBA. Like I love the NBA. I think the players are tremendous. I love the action, all of it. It's, but, but there's the thing that draws me back from the NFL is that it changes all the time. Like the, the playbooks change, the strategies change, Obviously, the size of the players change, the the schemes change, the rules change. It's mm-hmm. never like, oh, I got this sport now, and I'm just gonna like go on vacation. Like if I go on vacation for a week, like 
the news, like, like even just the news alone, it, ne- it's, it never goes to sleep and it's, it works well with like someone like me who's just hyper and frenetic and <laughs> like, wants to just like refresh Twitter every five seconds. Right. So all of it, there's never a moment where it's like, okay, like the NFL is just a little dull this week. Nothing, nothing's really happened. There's always, I mean, the freaking schedule release, uh, we already know who the opponents are and that's an event. Like that's right. coming up next week. That's like going to be like a three hour event on NFL network. Like what week you're going to play the team that you already know you're going to play, but I'm going to eat it up. Oh, and yeah. I'm gonna- like think about what it means and like how those teams have changed and like that's what the NFL does. It's so it, it's so not a static thing. It's 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 awesome. It's and you know I, and and I just like I, I've been on the sideline enough too. Just to just I just respect the the talent and the, just the speed of the game. You know, people, especially fantasy people, she likes to sit at home and be like, oh, how come he didn't like, you know, get those three extra yards or like, why couldn't he make that cut? You're just watching you, when you watch it in live, like it's just blows your mind how, how fast everything is. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm just really enamored still by the whole thing. Right. He didn't get those three yards because the guy on the other side is paid to not let him get those three yards. Right. That is the thing. That is true. (laughs) It's because when he's running, they don't have to move out of the way. Right. They don't have to do that. That that is true. That's awesome. That's uh, I really that's I like in bringing up all that stuff is cool, too, because I taking sidesteps around things like that, especially when you're supposed to be like a front runner and leading, you know, what's taking place in your one of the hugest brands in the world, right? Like you can set the stage and do things right. And they're just choosing to stand pat, you know, on a lot of those things, which sucks. And they do react all the time in the end and they'll be like, yep. Okay. Now we have to do it because every somebody else brought it up and actually made it the truth. Now we have to react to it. Right. You know, so that's cool. And I'm cool with you bringing that kind of stuff up because I, I think that those are still things that are definitely holding us back, you know, in, in society, just in general, realistically, I mean, especially in the sports world, but Besides that. And I, and you, the other part about it, the always changing is when I sent you the show notes, which we never even touched on, it was like, we, because we had so much other stuff to talk about. And then you want, you know, think that I hate the NFC West. So we had to go through, we had to check about that, but we got like, then, you know, the draft is happening. And then Aaron Rodgers says, yeah, but wait, you know, so the NFL is like always doing stuff. Right. You know, I was like, yeah, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. We never even got to talk about how crazy it is what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now. So it just adds to how much the NFL is always all over the place. And it's just it is so fun to watch. And I mean, I enjoy being able to sit there and be like, this is what they're going to do. Watch. And that's what they do or they do something very similar to that. You know, like it's fun to be involved in the game like that, being like, you know, at that in depth that you're just like, this is what's going to take place. And I'm with you. I'm going to be 100 percent. I was like, when is the schedule coming? That was like as soon as the draft is over, I'm like schedules, when, 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 when? Yeah, the bills are who, when, where? OK, who are we opening with? Yep. Yeah. OK, let's do that. Let's do that. You know, so I love that. All right. The next one up, because I'm running you past where I told you I would here. Um, but your favorite podcast. So and it doesn't even have to be sports related, just if you're just hanging out or you're getting ready to take a ride somewhere or you want to break uh, what's something you pop on well i will say the football girl podcast since i didn't mention it at the beginning because, uh, not because of me you should just like mute the part where i talk but all the incredible women i talked to just like an array of women um the, across the nfl circles like like league people team coaches like the whole thing um but i you know i'm kind of a pod save america devotee still even it was very good therapy during the trump years for me and um i still enjoy hearing because now it's getting a little a lot more into like policy and stuff before it was just all the political antics um so i'm kind of a policy wonk at one point i wanted to work in politics so i so i love that um football wise i, I love mina kimes is uh, yeah. podcast so she's she's amazing yeah she's fun but I, I, well, she needs to be on the draft coverage next year she needs to be like on the main coverage not that i mean she's awesome on nfl live but she like needs to be next to lewis riddick giving her instant analysis too yeah. I mean, they, they should mix it up a lot more or just bring more people on. Right. I mean, it's cool that the the one person gets to get there and they get to have that as their, you know, the accomplishment that they get to achieve. Right. But is it really that big of a deal? Like a bunch of other people get to do it too. Right. You know, like everybody can chime in. That's cool. I do like her too. I, I actually just even the podcast art of her show, I <laughs> looking at it, you know, yeah. it's cool. It's funny. It's just, it's, I enjoy it, you know, so very cool. Yeah. All right. So last one for you. 
which so this is just like the worst play call you can remember or worst play or like a player in a season or even just like a flag that was thrown that you were like what and it just it always sticks with you you just it comes to your mind you're just like yeah that was the worst i mean this is just a gaffe it's not i mean there's tons of other things that could fill out that category but i still think of, of kyle williams um up to punt in the nfc championship that would have sent the 49ers uh to the super bowl the, against the giants um that's just that's one that still haunts me i think that would have changed the direction of the i, I think it, it could have set the stage for an actual dynasty instead of sort of a start stop that, that we've had again, I know that's super homerish, and there's all oh, kinds cool. of terrible calls and catch. No, I mean, the, the catch, no catch thing, just generally, like, yeah. for however many years we've had it now of debating it, um, that just drives me bonkers. But yeah, that's, that's an actually, I really enjoy that one. That's that's super specific, and it's it's interesting. <laughs> Because I don't think a lot of people like, you know, when you think about those things, you think about the big player. A lot of, a lot of people would want to trend towards like uh, if they're a Bills fan, they'd be like, oh, the Hail Mary against the Cardinals or something was like a yeah. stupid play. Right. Because they want to just pick something that's like quick and they remember you picking something that specific like back then that that tells me it's truly there. It's sticking, it's truly sticking with you. You're like the friggin punter. He ruined the whole dynasty. I mean, it's not like a Scott. I mean, it's kind of like a. I mean, it's not exactly the same as Scott Norwood, but it's kind of like along those lines where it's just like. Yeah, because you don't know, right? If if you hit that one, does that does that actually propel you to win four? Right? Yeah. Does that really pull it off, and then magically you just it clicks and you become an instant winner? Yeah. So it's 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 definitely one of those things where a lot. That's why I enjoy that. Really is why I enjoy football because a lot of people don't pay attention to that little thing. Like at week six when he dropped that pass on like third and eight, that changed everything and that changed their season. Right. And and you can go back and you can identify things like that if you really want to. Right. If you just want to look at the game that closely, you can identify turning points. So anyway. Thank you so much for chatting. I know yeah. you felt like I hate I hated on your yeah. NFC West. But it was a blast talking to you. I was super excited to have you on. Um, I really, really have been enjoying, you know, having the female voices on because, you know, they're blowing my mind a lot of the time, too, with some of the stuff they're saying and just the way they're viewing things and seeing things. It's different. Right. And to me. I want to know as much about the game as I can, right? And as much as going on and meet in incredible people like you that have done way cooler stuff than I'm ever going to be doing. Like SI ain't calling me up tomorrow and being like, hey, Colt, um, we noticed you want to write for us? Or like, I don't even know how to write. So that's not happening for guys like me. So it's really cool to have somebody on like you that's, uh, you know, done a lot of really awesome things in the industry and are getting to do what you want to do daily now and, you know, chat up other women in the industry and have them on your show and stuff like that. So absolutely Love having you on. Before we uh, head out, do you have anything you want to shout out? You finally got the show in a little bit, but anything else you're working on? Anything coming up? Um, I am actually, I guess, no, I signed the contract, so I guess it's official. I'm going to be joining the Hall of Fantasy League. I'm going to be running a franchise. It's a staking um, company run through after the NFL Hall of Fame. I'm going to be doing it with my fantasy buddy, Pat Fitzmorris, who is first in accuracy in all of fantasy football. And we're going to be running actually a Seattle franchise. So we're excited to do that and competing against other fantasy industry people um, this season. So hopefully. That's awesome. So there's going to be 32 teams like paired up, a couple people. There's going to be 10 teams, 10 owners, um, and you stake. So it's like, like poker, right? Like you stake a poker player, just like however they perform. Okay. You can win an exit like six times your amount if we win. I think it's four times your amount if we finish second and you get your money back if it's third. Now, I'm going to just say I, I've been playing fantasy for a while and I've had a lot of success. Pat is like the top fantasy person. So I'd, li- well, I'd like to say that I'm the brains. <laughs> I'm like 10% of the brains, but he's... We're to collectively we're we're gonna win. So I'm I'm excited. 
Yeah, I mean, if he's that good, you're ten percent though. You guys are like one hundred and five percent. So I'll be like ninety five percent if I was partners with anyone else. With Pat, I'm just ten percent, but we're we're gonna be good. Oh uh, yeah, you're definitely gonna have to step up your game. I think uh, playing alongside the guy that's the best at it. But that's <laughs> awesome. That's a very cool thing. Oh, that's that's yeah, awesome. So uh, that that sounds like something that would be super exciting to do, uh, especially building out like a dynasty type of thing. Like that's cool. So very awesome. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, and in closing. Uh, just just, uh, of course, everything, uh, any way to connect with Melissa, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Um, you can find her on Twitter. Is that kind of your main hub besides the football yeah, girl? Uh, probably Twitter at the football girl. Um, I talk, I talk to people a lot on there, <laughs> way, way more than my husband would like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he just needs to start talking more about football, I guess. Right. I mean, I know. It's, 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 exactly. he's got a ton to talk, talk about. To now. Wants to talk to me about football. If you start talking about like other stuff, you know, that's yeah. Much, well, but he's got a ton to talk about right now. Right. He should be the happiest man on the planet. I'm actually bringing on next week. Um, I'm bringing on uh, Laura Fitzpatrick, who's a Jaguars fan. I want to talk fantasy change. You know how the franchise is potentially changing with her. And I got Dave Kluge coming on, who's a Bears fan as well, to chat a little more about the Justin Fields maneuver. So very cool. But thank you again, everybody, for listening in. If you're here with us, I appreciate it. Um, You know, spread this out to everybody. You know, you can get all the notes and everything will be down there for connect with the Alameda County Food Bank. You know, if you want to connect with Melissa. And of course, everything I'm doing, you guys can find over at the Buffalo Nerd. All right. Be safe out there. Mask up. Love you guys. You just listen to the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out.